I can't remember the last time I had a freezy. I know, right? Like they were so good. Actually, it's uh, my better half that got me kind of on to the cold treats because she was wanting a banana popsicle, like old school popsicle Pete style, like we're used to collect the points. And it's really hard to find those these days. Hmm. I don't know if I've even ever had one. Like, you know, the old ones, like they're a normal popsicle and then you always like got upset if you broke them and they ended up in four pieces. No shit. I don't think I ever had one. I mean, you guys are deprived out West. <laughs> Dude, I grew up in a town of 2,500 people. It was a big deal when we got Subway sandwiches in town. Like you never had like the points on the sticks and like you collected points that you could like get stuff. The only points I ever got were for speeding tickets on my driver's license. What about like with soda? Like, did you ever have the points underneath the, the caps that you collected, like for Pepsi or anything? Negative. Man. Yeah. You got deprived. We got shortchanged. We grew up with uh, rocks for baseballs and, and yeah, sticks out of a tree for bats. <laughs> well, sorry to hear that, man. You know, though, for, as far as freezies go, <clears throat> my go-to used to be the uh, kind of the clear ones. Like they were almost like white. Oh, yeah. The white's a good. I don't oh. even know what that flavor is, but they're good. That flavor should be called fucking awesome. <laughs> Did you ever have the Jolly Rancher ones that were like super sour? Uh, yeah. Okay. I had those. Okay. All right. Only so. when I went to the big city, though. <laughs> Yeah, it was like Jolly Rancher Freezies and Coconut Air Fresheners. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I am like reeking of exhaust fumes right now. So I don't know if you saw any of my piss around here that I was posting up about, but um, I had a weird rattle going on in the vert, and it almost sounded like, a, like an exhaust shield rattle, but I'm like, I don't got any exhaust shield anywhere. Like, what the fuck is this? And it, it wasn't deep enough to be like exhaust hitting body or anything to that effect. It sounded really light and tinny. Anyway, um, when I was driving it the one day is when I first noticed it, I was just like idling at a light, revved it up a little bit. And this noise got a little more violent. So then I'm like, what the fuck is that? Eh? So I, just ever so slightly cover my left foot on the clutch pedal and it goes away. I'm like, well, I've never heard a throat bearing make that kind of noise, right? Anyway, get it on the hoist, pull the uh, inspection cover off the trans and my clutch fork is having a seizure. It's everywhere. And that rattle, I'm thinking, must have been the clutch fork banging the dust cover or the inspection cover, right? So long story short, trans comes out. It just fucking snowballed out of control, right? Um, but the craziest part about all this is the throat bearing has got maybe 200 miles on it. Like I put a clutch in it at the end of last summer just for good measure. Actually, I needed to do the rear main in it. So I thought, oh, shit, I'll just throw a clutch in it while I'm there. Um, so, yeah, everything was replaced. So what clutch had you gone with that has this messed up fork? Uh, so it was the same fork. I reused the clutch fork, but, um, I think, 
I, I don't even know how the wobble would have began, but it just got worse and worse because the input shaft retainer on the T5 literally, and this is one of those throat bearings. They're the ones that have almost like the slots for like grease slash air versus like smooth on the inside. Right. It had literally cut cogs in that input shaft retainer. No shit. Yep. Yeah, it was crazy. You know what always drove me nuts about the um, about the fork is that you can get it. You can actually get it out of the hole from the inspection plate cover. But yeah. it, it, it's like if only there was a way to change it without having to drop the transmission. Right? It, it's oh. such a pain. It's sort of like why why can you fit it through that hole? But you'd never be able to change it. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So those little retainers, because they are kind of chintzy, right? Like normally you almost just kind of want to like when you're doing furrow bearing, you just kind of want to like bend them a little bit yeah. to, you know, keep the pressure on. So like, do you think it's something there that just kind of like the retainer like fatigued? So once I had it all out and the clutch fork on the bench and stuff, the springs definitely weren't holding that throughout bearing as firm as you'd like them to. So bent them out. Um, it is the original fork. I mean, I don't know. I guess the, the verdict's kind of out on all that, right? Like I probably should have just put a fork in it too, but. Um, did you it, change the pilot bearing? I did when I did the clutch. Okay. So you, so that's, um, if you went that far, you should have just thrown a fork. Well, I know, right. It actually, I bought the clutch locally. Like none of the stuff came out of the States. Um, I guess maybe I could find a fork locally. There's, it's getting so hard to find shit for those eighties and nineties cars locally, right? Like you pretty much got to go to one of the big three Mustang, uh, parts dealers, you know? Right. Or summit. Like you guys got it way better down there. Right. Well, it's interesting because a friend of mine was just complaining. Actually, my friend who bought the Georgia Coupe off me because he had actually swapped stuff over and he was complaining about, you know, like a throat bearing, just like a light noise. I'm wondering if he's facing the same issue and it's just not enough tension on the throat bearing. And you know what? Well, in your case, you're saying it actually wore into it, right? into the retainer, like the T5 retainer shaft. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like literally put teeth in it. Like it looks like it's all cogged up. Oh, wow. See, because like I have the uh, lightweight flywheel in my M5 with the um, aftermarket, you know, clutch and um, whole assembly which is made by UUC and everyone complains about that the throat bearing, like they rattle with that setup in neutral until, you know, you, you depress the clutch and like you're sitting on a stoplight, it almost sounds like some marbles are getting tossed around in a can um, from underneath the, the car and it's normal. But if um, in this case, you know, if it was doing damage, yeah, you want to make sure you get that replaced. Yeah. Always sucks to drop transmissions, man. And Ugh. did it mess, did it mess up the Magnaflow, like the, the, uh, the tips or anything in the end, or did it no. all straighten back up? Nice. 
I did, um, I did pull the H pipe, <clears throat> which was kind of a pain in the ass because this H pipe I found off a guy locally. It's got no cats or nothing in it. Um, I had originally put the H pipe in place and then just for good measures, welded my own hangers on it and hung them from the transmission mount, you know? Yeah. Well, made great sense when I put it in. Right. But coming out, fuck, my hangers are too long. I couldn't get them out of the goddamn transmission mount. Like it was just fucked <laughs> as I'm, it wasn't so bad actually coming out, but going back in, I literally, I had the transmission and the cross member and everything up ready to go. And I'm fiddle fucking around trying to get that H pipe in there. I'm like, and then it dawns on me. I'm like, there's no way I'm getting this thing in the hangers and up onto the headers. Like, it's no chance. So tranny jack comes back under transmission cross member comes back out. I get everything kind of, uh, back up and play, or I slipped the, um, like the, the exhaust hanger deal off of the, that bolts up to the transmission mount. Yeah. Lift it on the hangers first and then put everything in. And then I'm like, Oh yeah, shit. I got to put my transmission cross member in clunk clunk i'm like fuck i gotta drop it all again <laughs> so oh. anyway moral of the story I, I the reason i reek like fuel is uh i was trying to do i didn't expect to do a, a youtube video on any of this but i'm like well shit maybe somebody else got this problem too so i was literally tying her all up at the end there inspection cover off getting the kind of final view of a smooth clutch fork not one having a seizure Oh yeah. Well, that's good, man. I actually, my strawberry car, I have a rattle underneath the same thing. It sounds like a heat shield and I don't have heat shields and it's not throw up bearing related. I actually think my old Flowmasters might've tossed a baffle uh, on the inside. So, you know, and they sound, they're louder than they should be, but you know, it's sort of, it is what it is, unfortunately. So I'll probably have to, to get them swapped out. But they're like the old school, like the proper, because what they changed, right? Because before it was just like, I think it was a 40 and now they're like super 44s or something like that. I don't think they're like the OG. I could be wrong on that, but I think they've changed. I'll jump on this grenade with you, buddy. I had this all fucked up and I've paid attention to Flowmaster quite closely over the years. I was of the impression just due to the way that the they number them, that 40s, come before 44s and therefore the 40s louder on and on and i remember like the very first set of Flowmasters i had were 40s and it was kind of your standard uh cat back system bolt up system right and then when i did all the work to my green car um i went i can't remember why the hell i had oh i know because i went no that wouldn't make sense either I can't remember why the fuck I was going to say, I definitely need a new H pipe. So I went long tubes, but I don't know why I, maybe it just didn't line up real good with the way that the new H pipe was in. It was something I needed a new cap back. So go to buy the standard five O cap back bolt up. And, um, the guy was scratching his head over it all. He's like, yeah, no, like those never came in the 40 series. I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure they did. Cause I had one. I got it sitting in my garage right now. Cause they know they only come as 44s. I'm like, I don't want 44s. Those are quieter than 40s. I want loud, right? <laughs> and then 
as it turns out, you go on Flowmaster's kind of sound chart and it goes super tens, 44s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and so on. So 44s, I think, are like a true two chamber, if you will, like those V cut okay. deals. Yep. And then a 44, or pardon me, a 40 is almost like a two and a half, or it's a little bit different flow path through the muffler, but they are quieter than a 44. So 44 is the one you want. And then 60s would be your three chamber, I presume? I think, yeah, I think 50 is the first three chamber and then hmm. 60 and yeah, I think Got like you. 70 or something. Yeah, it's weird how they did that. Cause actually I have three chambers on the stalker bird and actually I like the sound. Um, you know, it's just a little bit different. Oh, mind you, you know, it's, there's a lot of variables when it comes to exhaust, like even like your tips, cause I'm running a four inch tip. So that comes out different stainless. If you have that in your H pipe, definitely gives kind of more of like a tingy tone yep. I find. And, uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention was like those knockoff flow masters. And I'm sure you've seen them, you know, that there's a, I guess like this little old school hot rod shop back in Peterborough in Canada, where I was um, from. And this guy has had the shop forever. And he always used to try and sell you on these unbranded and they looked like hundred percent, just like a two chamber flow master. They were half the price. And he's like, man, no, no, no. They sound the exact same. And he had a proper two chamber there. So I picked them both up. The two chamber literally weighed like almost twice as much. And I'd knocked on the casing of the muffler and it was like tunk, tunk, tunk. And then I took his replica half price and it was like tink, tink, tink. And I'm like, you're telling me that these are going to sound the same because that right there is defining how the exhaust is going to reverberate through that muffler. Like totally. there's no way it might be designed the exact same and welded the same and have the same inlets and outlets and, and full path. But all of those things play such an important role in terms of how that's going to resonate, you know, through your pipes and whether you're two and a quarter, two and a half. Um, funny enough, there was, I, I was doing rounds for parts uh, the other day because my friend Dale was down from Canada, AKA shop dad. Right. And we uh, went by this guy's place. He had a bunch of old uh, F series trucks, like from the seventies. And he had saved, I think 10 from getting crushed. So uh, he was grabbing some parts off there and we saw like this dual exhaust, man, like it looked like, like the wall of the steel was like thick. Like, I mean, maybe fence like post. 10 gauge. Yeah. Like it, it literally looked like fence post. And uh, the guy was like, yeah, that's, that's old Texas exhaust right there. He's like, back in the day, we had really thick old um, exhaust pipe for whatever reason. And I don't know, maybe somebody out there listening can, you know, attest to this or, or you know, chime in. But even something like that, the tone that would come out of something that's that thick would be yeah. completely different, right? I know there's so much that goes into that, right? Um, I know guys talk about like the whole H versus X a lot, right? And there is a true difference, like a massive difference oh, yeah. in sound. And 
I don't know, I never did any engineering or anything, but I'm sure it has something to do with how that, just how it gets hung up on things, right? You've got that path with an X and. Yeah, like, and I thought that the X would potentially be louder, but from my experience, it seems like the H is louder. Like, I think because, you know, your, your exhaust has almost got more of a straight through path. Yes, it can cross over at a 90, but it's not like getting blended because that's what it's doing. It would sort of be like diverting or deflecting the sound as it's going through that X. And, you know, amazingly enough, things, the headers and what you have do play a huge difference as well, whether you're, you know, equal length or unequal. And, you know, long tubes always sound badass, of course. Yep. Um, you know, and I think it's anything that can carry the sound individually the longest makes yep. for the best sound, right? The sooner that you start blending stuff, then it just sort of kind of gets lost. It's almost like distorted noise, which is kind of funny. Like from as being an IT guy, I'm kind of just envisioning how, you know, voice transfers down, um, you know, some, <laughs> some cable and right. how, you know what I mean? That if you start having breaks or junctions in the line in the beginning, then how shitty it's going to come out the other end. Yeah, no, it's so true. Uh, I remember talking to Josh Kennedy about this and I think his red Cobra had an X on it and his teal Cobra has got a, an H and um, mind you, I think it was different mufflers too, but anyway, it's just one of these never ending debates that guys get into over sound profiles. Right. And uh, the other thing too, that factors into this massively is well, engine mods right like you get a real lumpy cam you get some snappy heads right big valve springs like all of this stuff factors into that end result of how those cars sound and uh i think for i remember a fella reached out to me real nice guy he's i I think he might be his first mustang but he's got a an sn95 with a four six so 97 98 or whatever and uh he's like man you know like i I really want to make my car sound like one of these lumpy fox bodies you know and like well bud i there's i don't even know the the cam profiles and stuff for the four six modulars i said i I don't even know how you'd get there but i'm like i don't think you're gonna be able to replicate it like you're trying you know no absolutely man like even my my sm95 right um that's a fully built motor. And in fact, I can't even remember what the displacement is, but you know, it's stroked and heads and all that. And to add, I guess, uh, even more, um, badness to the exhaust, it's got the SVO side pipes. All right. And it like, I guess when you start it off, it sounds neat to a certain degree, but like, honestly, it's just, oh man, it, I hate it. <laughs> it's sort of, you know, it's just, it's like the SRT 10 um, or, or the Viper. They, they sound like boats, like they're cool to a certain degree, but you got that extra cylinder on each side, just messing with the frequency and throwing the whole orchestra off. <laughs> well, that's an interesting one too, because like say a V10, um 
R8 or a V10 M5 versus like the V10 Dodge. Totally well, high, re- yeah, high revving versus you know your torque, yeah, like the 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 M5. That pretty much sounds like an F1 car as soon as you cut the mufflers out of it. You know, that's um, yeah, that's kind of that's a nice orchestra. But I think anything with bigger displacement or maybe that lump, right? Like because it's just lower revving, so you just don't get. You almost just need to dial up the frequency, and once you turn it up enough by getting more, you know, RPMs then you get that different sound and, and, and things start sounding a lot better. Cause what is the M five? It's a five liter, right? Five liter. Yeah. Five liter V 10. So if you think about it, you know, it's the same displacement as our Fox bodies, but just think about like what that cylinder size would be. You know what I mean? Like it'd sort of yeah. be, I don't know, like a frozen can, a, a minute made or like a Campbell soup can, you yeah. know, uh, versus, you know, what we're used to seeing. I, I don't know. Like the, we're, we're, we're what a four inch bore right so that's probably closer to three yeah the one uh i, I maybe i talked about it before but the the magna flows that i put on the vert they're a really nice sound and muffler um i think i told you i was uh bitching a little bit about the the fitment of that kit but the sound is really really neat like they've got a you can sneak in and out of a neighborhood for sure at idle. Like they don't have that full time rip your face off, but then they've got a, at a higher RPM, they almost get kind of poppy. And, and I looked through them. I mean, they're a, a straight through design. It kind of does a bit of a S bend through, and then they do have packing in them. And then that tube that goes through, there's just, I think it might've had just straight through holes. That goes right. in packing. Um, but yeah, it's a nice uh overall, like it kind of checks all boxes. It's not just loud or not loud, you know. Yeah, actually, what car? The Viper Blue uh Dutch coupe that I had last year that was on air ride. It had magna flows oh, on oh, it. Oh, the carbon uh, on it. Yeah, the carbon car. Um, and the, the Euro taillights that I threw, threw into the gravel, man, the guy was pissed when, uh, when he saw that. Um, but yeah, that, uh, it had Magna flows and the guy who bought it was just like, yeah, no, we need to put flow masters on this. He was like, he just wanted the all round, you know, obnoxious 2000 RPM drone that, um, now that car, I think had a high enough set of gears that you kind of, you rev past the drone on the highway, but. Um, yeah, the Magnaflows are okay. They're a good all-round muffler. I kind of feel they're almost a Magnaflow with an off-road H-pipe or X-pipe of sorts is almost equivalent to taking your mufflers out, but keeping the stock H-pipe. Right. Yeah. Because you know, I, you know, keeping the, the factory cats in there obviously dulls things down a little bit. And that's actually what I ran on my white coupe for a very long time and you know it, it has more of that little bit of a rasp and, and you know that that snap crackle pop in the higher rpms but when you start it up it just kind of you know you can idle and, and get yourself through the neighborhood without pissing off the neighbors and everything else right i actually had a a half ton pickup it was a 2000 
no, 2002 Ford um, extended cab short box pickup, four by four truck. And it had the four six in it. And oddly enough, I actually even heard a four six Mustang with the, with the mufflers cut off of it too. But this is where I'm going with it. I cut the muffler out of this truck, kept the cats, but essentially just ran no muffler. And they actually sounded really good. They were on the louder end of things, but it wasn't gross. Like usually when you cut mufflers off things, it gets <laughs> shitty fast, right? Yeah. But they had a really nice sound. I, yeah, no, I had a buddy with a, um, like a new edge. He had kind of had it set up looking like an old three Cobra, but um, he just bucked the mufflers out of that thing too. And it was loud, but you know, like if that's what you're going for, it didn't sound awful. Yeah. No, some cars or trucks, you know, it, it works. Mm -hmm. The actually the U60 M5s, that's like the first go-to mod is guys just cut the mufflers out and that's it. Like, are there aftermarket options? Sure. But you know, they sound when you're trying to, you want them to sound like an F1 and that's the quickest way to get there. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Hey, I wrote this down so we wouldn't forget. We got to talk about Mr. Westwood, Chris Westwood from the UK. Oh, absolutely. We do. Hey. And yeah, no. And I think just to touch base, cause we don't officially have a guest for, for this one, since we both sort of been busy. So anybody listening, we are freestyling this one, hoping that we don't have to do one single edit. <laughs> yeah, we and, this up and pushed it right till Sunday night. So you guys are getting this one like the ink won't even be dry. Yeah, well, that's what happens, right? When you know, I had my guests, and then you had yours pop in, and, and life goes on. Um, you know, Gearhead has actually been been grinding my gears the past week, so we're gonna have to get him in the mix here. I think he feels left out. All right, we'll bring him in. Well, yeah. Weren't they doing, I, he posted something on his stories, like, or maybe is it through Fox Resto? Are they going to do a podcast? Oh, maybe. I seen a picture like him and Tiff and they all they had their headphones on and mics in front of them. It looked like they were getting set up to do something. Oh, that could have been at Pitts. It looked like something in Fox Resto. Like it might've looked oh, like okay. an office or the lunchroom or something. Oh, well, hey, that'd be, uh, that'd be good. I'd like to actually hear more from Matt, mm -hmm. not Gearhead, but Matt Fox Resto, Matt. Yeah. And I think that that's uh, my favorite thing about Gearhead's channel, I think, is all the stuff that we um, get to learn from Matt and, you know, see how anal and OCD he is. You know, we talked about those convertible seals and getting doors to open and close right inverts. And um, yeah, that's... Uh, it takes special people to take that stuff on because like I said, I don't even want to do it to my convertible. No. <laughs> I so. actually, I fucked around with mine the other day. Uh, I got some new, you know, that lower riveted trim around the back of the vert that the next piece of trim goes over and it's got like the little mm. quarter inch nuts on it. Yep. Both mine were cracked and whatever, got some new stuff. And when I had all that off, I'm like, Oh, I can kind of see quarter window bolts down there. Right. I'm like, I wonder if I take another stab at this fuck around, dude. Like I honest to God, I got them a little better, but I'm like, this fucking thing's going to Fox resto. Like Matt, yeah, 
name your price. Just get her done, buddy. <laughs> uh, I did notice, you know what? There's another podcast that I need to check out. I noticed Lance from Fox Body FX um, in, um, interviewed the guy. I think his name's William. Oh, uh, the 92 Cobra guy. Um, I just, I want to hear it. Um, you know, and, and it's not to knock the guy because I just, I love hearing the stories and everything that these older dudes have to say, because he is an older cat, right? Yeah. And I got sort of like the, it's like the gentleman that I told you who I met, you know, last week and why I pushed, uh, pushed our first date with the podcast, you know, like a, a guy like that with all the stories and everything that he shared with me, um, you know, it's, uh, whether the, whether he's right or he's wrong, there's still cool stories to hear. I know. So another fella, I wish I could remember his name, uh, DM'd me and said, Hey, have you ever heard this story or whatever? I had missed it way back when it first originated in the forums. And so this was just like two weeks ago. And, uh, he goes, you know, you and Chris should get him on the podcast. I'm like, fuck, I don't even know what you're talking about. So I did a little bit of my own recon and found one of these old like threads. It was like a 25 page thread and just one after another. And I mean, it got a little, well, people got ignorant with the guy, really ignorant. And the story sort of flip flopped around a little bit. And the same, the same thing seemed to keep popping up, which was, I've got all this documentation, but I don't have a scanner or I don't have a whatever. And, and at one point the VIN number pops up and somebody runs it. And this thing comes back as an LX vert or uh, an R code, like a, a, a um, like a uh, fuck a wrecked car. Like it had been a yeah. repaired car. Um, yeah. So it had been banged up, I think early on and, it seemed to me the story that made the most sense was it was banged up. Somebody put a bunch of shit on it, printed out yeah. an SVT certificate and told a real good story. And this guy bit hard. Yeah. My understanding is it got wrecked like in its very early days yeah. and ended up back at a dealer. And I believe the dealer actually installed everything on it. And whether that was the original owner who got in the accident or, or whatever it might be. I think that that was the kind of the consensus. And I know Brutal did a video on it as well. Oh, okay. Um, you know, just trying to outline some of the information how it came. Like the biggest red flag for me is that the SVT certificate clearly looks poorly, poorly, poorly Photoshopped. Um, you know, alignment of, of characters. And like, I think it almost looks like someone just copy and pasting in there, if I remember correctly. Right. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, it, if, if a dealership put everything on there and there's a lot of oddball dealer installed things from decals to mud flaps to T roofs, you know, yep. some dealers put T roofs in dealers, put sunroofs in dealers, put AC on, you know what I mean? So it's sort of like, well, what's the value when the dealer has installed or done something like, does that yeah. have more value than somebody else going and doing it? Does it potentially hurt a car? Like, you know, nothing, I guess, 
hurts me more than seeing a dealer installed sunroof. Um, I, I just, I, I hate those, those tiny little sunroofs. Some, someone, I actually, I think it was, um, our friend, uh, Calypso, uh, Coyote there, he, he yeah. sent me a notch with two sunroofs, like Ooh, one on the front side and one of the, the back. Cause he knows I hate the, the sunroofs, but, um, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's crazy, but yeah, let's touch base on, on Chris's car or, or his email for that matter from, uh, from the UK. Cause that was pretty cool. Dude, I, I just, you know, well, you were obviously part of the emails, so, so you would have seen my stuff, but I'm just going to tell everybody, like, I, I I flat out, when when we get people pouring out to us like this, like, it just melts me, it really does, because, I mean, it blows my mind that people actually even listen to the two of us, you know, <laughs> let alone spend the time to sit down for better part of 15, 20 minutes and doctor up an email and, and send it out, so... I don't know. I think it's just fantastic. And uh, it was neat too, because I think he commented on the fact that you and I were going through that kind of heat map and, and rattling place off, places off. And he says, yeah, you know, if you zoom in on this little town in the UK, like that's me sitting down in there. And, <laughs> um, but like, I find it so intriguing. It's like the whole um, UAA thing, right? Or uh, I was talking about that other fella from Sweden. Like, you know, I think you'd be pretty hard pressed to go into a pub in the UK and find somebody that wanted to talk Fox bodies, but it's not to say they're not there. Like, Oh, absolutely. You know, what's funny is the guy from Sweden and Chris from the UK, I want to say their cars are both the same color combos. Oh, I think they might be. That's right. You know, I, I think, and that sort of goes back to my video talking about sort of kind of like the next, you know, hot body style being the GTs. And I think that, you know, it comes down to the, those two-tone GTs, you know, and, and it's ultimately, you know, like, uh, like your vert, um, wow. you know, whether it's a, a strawberry or their Cabernet cars, because I think both those cars were pre, they might've been pre 90. If I remember correctly, I could be wrong with that, but, um, yeah, it's, um, I think anything that went abroad would have been, you know, the classic, the poster, you know, or the pamphlet car um, that you would see. You know, you'd probably see the black, the silver, or you'd see, you know, anything red, it'd probably go overseas because Mustangs are just, you assume a Mustang's red yeah. when, when you talk about one. So I think that that'd probably just kind of be the reasoning, just be like, yeah, if you're going to have a Mustang overseas, it's got to be red. Yeah. It's so true. I mean, in, in both of them, it sounds like, you know, they, they're hobbyists just like us. They're ordering parts and stuff. I can't even imagine what they're paying to get ship shipped over the ocean or airmailed or whatever, you know, like, holy Christ. Yeah. And especially, you know, cause they've never had attractive fuel prices either. Right. You know, so those um, are, are strictly, I guess, enthusiasts or, or hobby, you know, base vehicles for, for the most part. And yeah, his one, his story of the accident right, was, you know, I, I was just sort of reading uh, through the email and just like, oh yeah, 70 miles an hour. And, you know, got into this accident and, you know, he's saying like, oh, only this and this happened. And I'm like, 
holy shit. But I guess, you know, you think about it, they're full of like little tiny Peugeots and, and yeah. whatever else. A Fox body is like, like a Lincoln over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very true. Um, I know. And then I think the way the story went is whoever repaired it sort of did a shitty job matching the paint and whatever. It's kind of sat for, a they bunch. threw this, they threw the Celine wing on, which I liked. Yeah. Yeah. It pulls together nicely. Um, no, that's it. I, I just think it's so cool that folks are doing this all over the world, just like we are, you know? Oh, absolutely. You got a dog fight going on back there. Hold on one sec. Buddy. <laughs> I need a drink too. I'm just going to give my dog shit and grab a drink. And I don't know what you got in the background there, but well, that must be that Bronco or something. I got to keep talking and keeping people entertained because there's no way that we're going to do any cutting or snipping of <laughs> of this podcast so okay there we go okay um now you uh i'm glad we circled back to chris mr westwood there because uh you had brought up gearhead in the middle and i actually wrote down that i wanted to ask you about his story last night how the fuck did you get vanilla ice to follow you I don't know, to be honest. So he messaged me, shit, when was that? Last week sometime. He was just like, dude, do you know Vanilla Ice follows you? I'm like, no, actually, I didn't know that he followed me. (laughs) And so he like must have done some stalker recon shit or something, but he sends me like a print screen of Vanilla Ice's page and, you know, the little spot where it's like follows the infamous project and whoever others or however Instagram shows it. And it's funny because I've actually met him twice. I I met him uh, one time in Dubai. He was there at a show, or it wasn't really a show, it was more, oh man, how would you explain this? He was there with a guy who was very entrepreneurial, like a coach, like life coach or like business coaching. And the guy was going on about, you know, how if you have an idea, like how to just kind of get yourself out there and get yourself known and take the risk and take the, take the leap and, you know, all these different scenarios. And the guy was very successful. I forget the guy is actually Canadian, if I remember correctly. So vanilla ice. Yeah. The speaker was. Yeah. So vanilla ice was sort of the hook to get people in. The, The event was actually free. And, you know, I find myself quite entrepreneurial and I was like, whatever, you know, I'll use it as some professional development. I'm going to like not have to go into the office. I'll go to this instead. And I'll just justify that this is a a good event for me to be attending. And again, it was free. And they're like, yeah, Vanilla Ice will be performing at the end. I'm like, fucking right. Like, you know, Vanilla Ice, you know, he's in Dubai. Like, why wouldn't I want to go to this? So needless to say, the event was good. And, you know, there was um, a few baity or like elements of it to kind of guess get you to pay or to get you to get roped in right and they bring rob out who is vanilla ice and they sit him down and they start talking about how he you know went from music and then switched and got into his home reno shows and rob is very entrepreneurial as well so they kind of used him and, and interviewed him and they they had a break or something and somebody came on they said you know what anybody here wants to interview rob 
right here and now. Um, I forget what it was. I want to say it was like maybe 800 bucks, but you would sit down, they'd have you on stage, have it recorded. You could interview Rob and use that. However, maybe you wanted to, to promote yourself. And I'm like, fuck, I'm like, this is actually a really good thing. And I, I was like, what a better way to promote because I knew I wanted to start getting back into videos and, you know, sort of like TIP meets VIP. Yeah. Um, which funny enough, I started, I had the infamous project before he started the vanilla ice project I'm Really? That right now. Yeah. And, um, when he did actually, we'll rewind a second. So when he did start the vanilla ice project show, I actually had started a Facebook group page um, for it because there was nothing really online. And I actually had every single cast like Wes Kane and, you know, I forget who it was like back in the, in the beginning, um, they were all members and I'd chat with Wes here and there. And then when actually I moved to Dubai, I actually gave the admin privileges to Wes. I just said, Hey man, I'm like, I'm deleting Facebook. I, I really don't even want it. And, um, needless to say, I never met Rob, you know, through that, but, um, just call me an, an enthusiast and a fan, right? So back to this show, they say, yeah, whatever, 800 bucks. And I'm like, man, should I do it? But the, the reason why I didn't do it was because I was there in my three-piece suit. And I felt like as cool as getting the interview would have been, I wasn't representing myself. And yeah, I don't know how to explain it. It's just like, man, even if I had my hat. Like I can get away with wearing a three-piece suit and wear my hat. And funny enough, Rob, he kind of wears like a similar style. He actually had like a, a suit vest on that day. Like not a suit, like he wore jeans, but he had a suit vest on and he had his, you know, little Cupid um, hat um, design thing that he wears. And I'm like, man, I don't want, I don't want footage dressed like this because it, you know, it's not me. So yeah. Um, he performed and there was a thing where you could just go up and shake hands, take your picture with them. And so I had one of my infamous project business cards. So like when I went up and I shook his hand, I'm just like, man, I know you like Fox body Mustangs. I restore them. And he's like, Oh fuck, no way. I'm like, here's my card. He's like, man, reach out to me on social media. And, um, I'm like, okay, we'll do. So I reach out to try to, but like people like that, I know what it's like with the amount of requests and bullshit you know, on Instagram. And it's just like, how is he going to know or anything else? And needless to say, nothing happened. I never got a hold of him. I did try a couple, you know, I think I tried th through Twitter and I tried through um, Instagram, obviously, and never heard anything. And of course, I'm like, shit, like, it'd be awesome to find a way to help him restore his car because right. this was before he got it restored. Yeah. And um, so I kid you not, it was, the following year I'm at SEMA and my friend's like, dude, vanilla ice is right there. And I'm like, no fucking shit. And, and I had regretted not doing the interview at that point. Cause I was, I guess I was so hopeful that I would have found a way to, you know, engage with them through social media or something. And, and it didn't work out. So I'm like, fuck, maybe I should have just paid the money and did the interview. Yeah. And um, so anyway, so yeah, he's right there. And then we're going, we're heading towards um, an escalator to go down to one of the next halls. And I'm just like, man, can, 
do you have a couple minutes I can talk to you about your firefly? He's like, yeah, fuck, sure. So I hand my friend my phone and I literally just like freestyle um, like a little mini interview with them for the length of the escalator ride. And that's actually up on YouTube. Hmm. But he's like, yeah, man, I still got my Fox body. And I think he wanted to put um, an illuminator motor in it or whatever, which I don't think he ended up doing. I, I think it's just uh, something a little bit more basic, but they did some interesting engine covers and stuff. Yeah. And so I thought that maybe that time, you know, maybe I'd be more successful in, in getting in touch with them and never did. And, and, you know, it was, oh shit. Last year, I had, well, I had two parts cars, but there was one that I had an Instagram post of Shop Dad crushing it with the forks of the tractor. I'm not sure if, if you saw that one. Oh, I don't think um, I did. Yeah, it was a 93, I think it was a 93 LX. It was black on black, just completely rotted. Car had no title. Um, you know, so I, stripped the black interior out, got the, the motor had really good compression. And um, so I posted up just this little snippet of Dale just crushing the thing. And Vanilla Ice comments on, on the video like, oh no, not a Fox body or some, some bullshit. And I'm like, okay, you know, maybe, um, maybe I can, you know, respond to him this way or maybe because he's, he's engaged. So maybe that's where he liked or he started following me and I never knew. Okay. Um, cause I, I have tried a couple of times to reach out to him for obvious, you know, collaboration reasons like shit, if we could get him on the pod, that'd be fucking awesome. I think, oh, no. um, or man, I'm happy to fly to fucking Florida, um, and, and do something with him over there. But you know, I've, I've dealt with it my whole life. Everybody always is like fucking call me vanilla ice. And, you know, I guess the way that sometimes I dress and the way I wear my hat doesn't help my case, but um so so yeah that's that's my long-winded story of uh vanilla <laughs> huh no that would be deadly to have a conversation with the guy especially i mean again here i go on just the backstory but i'd love to hear like prior to the whole rap career and everything like tell us just your old fox body stories you know like give us a little insight to what your life was like prior to all of that you know? Oh, absolutely. Cause like then it was, well, I guess it was sort of like the, it was like the rap icon vehicle back in those days. Right. And you know, the triple, cause yeah, it was triple white. If I remember right. And he had like the old, what was it? Was it prime or ASAs or something? I think his wheels were even white, the centers, yeah. but um, yeah, it, it definitely be cool to just, you know, get what it was like then and then what it's like now. And I think that's the one thing that I want to clarify because I swore I had heard at one point that he didn't have that car anymore. You and know, there was a picture of him at Barrett Jackson with one, shit, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. And almost like he bought one to replace it but I could be wrong with that. And, you know, what was it? Um, what's that movie with Adam Sandler? That's my boy. Or. Oh, I should know this though. Okay. So we got big dad. Adam Sandler and him are tight, right? Like they're always, 
like Rob's always in the Adam Sandler movies, like for just like little snippets, but there's one movie right. and the car, the car is actually in the movie. And then they like launch it off of like a, um, a hill, not like the Tesla that we've all seen, but you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I'd love to hear that backstory. Right. And, uh, surely he was hanging in crowds similar to us when we were that age. Well, I think he's got a few years on us, right? But yeah, he does. He actually, actually more than that, because I want to say when I saw him in Dubai, he had like just turned 50 oh, and like, wow. man, he does not look 50. He actually, I didn't even know he's actually vegetarian, which is a little weird. I'm not going to lie, but you know, yeah. for him, like he is, he is a health nut. Um, <laughs> and you know, like I said, I think there's a lot of cool info that you can, um, that I would like to know about him just cause you know, when you grow up with people and they share similar stories and you know, they have a level of, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Not just experience, but I guess success, you know, sure. it's always, um, it's always nice to, to pick their brain and, and get some ideas and everything yeah. else. Who, do you know who restored that car? If it's the, I don't, or not, but, uh, I know I seen the reveal video and I think the people revealing it were the builders, but, um, it almost seemed like a bit of a, I mean, and this is just whatever to each their own, um, not necessarily my cup of tea. Right. But it seemed like almost like a West coast customs type deal. Like this thing's got fucking screens that come out of the trunk and you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but I think that's a little bit of Rob style because I think there's, you know, there's a the whole Ninja Turtle element that he always, um, you know, carries with him as well. You know, I think he's, he's sort of like a big kid. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now the other one that I wanted to to run by you, I mean, for everybody listening, like Chris and I haven't caught up in well, a little over a week. So, I mean, we're, we're kind of just having a BS session and, and I got questions for him. So what the fuck's the deal with you getting that uh, half page in the Mustang hub? So <laughs> guy, like this is the stuff people dream about. And now, obviously, is this the same same um, not episode? What the hell? Like edition? Uh, you know, like this whatever month's edition that Tom's car's in War Admiral. Yeah, yeah. So he's got the cover. Well, you can actually choose the cover, uh, which I guess is kind of cool uh, when you're checking out. Yeah, so like when you check out, there's a couple different cover options. So oh. I guess they'll print. Or, or give you whichever one that uh, that you favor or fancy. I feel awful. And I'm not even fucking subscribed, but it <laughs> is on my list of things to subscribe to because, yeah. you know. Yeah, so they actually reached out to me. Shit, man. I want to say after Foxtoberfest 2018 and wanted to do something. And at the same time, there was another guy who was writing really good articles of people's foxes and the stories behind them. And I forget, damn, I forget what his name is. Um, but he had hit me up at the same time and he ended up doing an article, um, you know, through his channel, not as big as, you know, Mustang hub, but I think maybe that, cause you know, you don't want to saturate the same story. So um, yeah, they reached out again after the last Foxtoberfest and asked me for the details and stuff and said that they were going to do a write-up. 
And I didn't even know it. I think Tom actually sent me uh, a picture of the, from the magazine. It's like, Hey man, did you know that you're in here? I'm like, dude, I had no fucking idea. So yeah. he's like, yeah, no, it's in the same issue that my car's in. So I went on and, you know, bought a couple copies, obviously. Uh, but yeah, no, that was, that was super cool. Um, no doubt. All those years where, and I remember I submitted, I couldn't tell you which car it was now, but the, the back of 5.0 Mustang magazine, they always had like the readers rides yeah, in yeah. The sections. And, and I remember taking pictures, fucking mailing it, you know, and, and hoping that one day I'd see one of my cars back there. And of course there's probably thousands of people submitting their, their cars. Totally. So yeah, no, it's cool. Um, you know, and it, it's cool to see it in print, you know, as neat yeah. as, digital copies or an article and, and i've had numbers of you know online i guess articles done but to see something in print uh definitely is pretty cool and now i, I can see put from it our towards, era yeah and the interesting thing about the silver coupe is it was a magazine car back in the early 90s so when the original owner had it and i forget what the the headline was something about the north and you know he had a full spread you know like two pages like massive thing in the um you know banner across the top kind of like tom's car and um uh it was you know more in well not stock form stock looking form uh you know it had the dugan racing hood on it the dugan wing it actually he had two like celine you know the two little fender slash door yeah. Stripes. One was like a, it was like a gray and a yellow. So it almost like SSC style, but it was more about the mods um, that he had done to the car, you know, with the heads and intakes and this, that, the next thing. So it's kind of cool now that I can have a documented in print um, timeline and change yeah. of the car as, as it's gone through its iterations now. Wait, I don't know if I knew or I know. Cause I don't think you mentioned it in that video you did on the, the Dutch coupe, but where did that car come from? Was it a Canadian car? Yeah. So it came from a gentleman in Niagara Falls when I was searching. Cause I remember there was an eBay auction for this. It was a light titanium. So I guess that would have been like a 91 or a 92 notch. That was super, super clean. And I want to say the bidding was somewhere in 17,000 US. And when I saw it, like, man, that's a really, really clean car. But that's when like $17,000 for a Fox body, like it was just, it didn't make sense. But to have something that nice to me, and I was fortunate enough, I was making good enough money at that point where I was like, ah, it, it makes sense. You couldn't build the car for that, you know, right. not with that mileage and, 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 you know, looking that clean. And, um, so I watched that auction and then I think that's what sparked me. And I put a post up on the GTA MC, which is the greater Toronto area Mustang club at the time. And I said, I want a 90 through 93 notch, preferably silver on black, but I would consider a black one, like a black notch. The black is the easiest. I knew I wanted silver, but black is the easiest to do a color change on. Right. And um, 
randomly enough, this guy was like, I think I have the car that you're looking for. And um, he emailed me and yeah, I shit you not like it. It was almost like too good to be true. Right. Because, you know, one owner car was the YN silver, which is the nicest silver, you know, that was made the light titanium just got too much Brown in it for my liking. And um, yeah, OG black and shit, man, it had, I think I had 21,000 kilometers on it when I bought it from them. Wow. So now it's at 20, 21,000 miles. So I've, I've put some miles on it. So guy actually today in my video, you know, <laughs> um, with my uh, lightning and the uh, SRT 10. Yeah, I've seen that broke. video yet. Yeah, they're, well, they were both broke. I, I fixed the SRT 10. Um, he was just like, man, I love watching your videos, but you're the only person that I know that breaks shit by not driving it. He's <laughs> like it. He's like, I, I can't really feel bad for you if you're not driving cars. I'm just like, well, SRT 10, I had a reason, you know, why I wasn't driving it. And I was just like, man, I actually think I drive my cars. Like considering the amount of cars I have, I like, I think I put some pretty good miles on them. I think it's more just the more you have, the better your chances are of shit's going to break. It's and that's what I'm suffering from. You know, if I just had one car and I was only focusing on one, then yeah, the chances of something happening there, but fuck, man, I got like, I don't even know how many cars I have. <laughs> Increases the opportunity for shit to go sideways. Yeah. Yeah. But man, yeah, that, that fuel pump in the SRT 10, man, the whole um, sending unit, um, it came apart in the two because there's, there's two like main metal rods that hold the bottom unit to the top. And um, the plastic had cracked where the rods go in. So the bottom part fell. And when it fell, it actually snapped the corrugated plastic line that comes off of the fuel pump. Oh, shit. Which, again, brittle from heat. And the, the fuel filter, like it looked like a tea bag that was completely dried out and just disintegrated in your hand. Like the, all the, the sheathing on the wires that were going to the pump, all like... Uh, flaked, brittled, and, and then flaked off so the wires were exposed. So I'm surprised the fuel pump didn't actually just short out and yeah. die that way. And I'm surprised it was still sucking fuel. I guess it would because, you know, it just sort of fell to the bottom of the tank. Um, but yeah, pulling that thing out, man, and just seeing what it sitting in the heat did. And it's my bad, right? Like I left such little amounts of fuel in it when it was parked. But at the same time, I didn't want a full tank of, of stale fuel because I knew, um, you know, it was going to sit until I was leaving, yep. which, you know, did end up being a number of years. So needless to say, tank came out, cleaned all the tank because all of that shit was laying in the bottom and managed to just get a regular Ram 1500 um, sending unit, like complete. And all you have to do is just pop one clip off and swap the fuel pressure regulators so that you can get your you know, 70 PSI versus the 50 or whatever that the, the V8s run, jammed it all back together. So we're good. I just got to do my valve cover gaskets now and swap the tires because the tires are literally, they were new when I bought the truck, which is 10 years ago, 11 oh, years wow. ago. Yeah. So they hold, they still hold air. So kudos to Pirelli. The only thing is that they don't make a 305 4022 anymore. So I just stepped down to 295, 40, 22, which really isn't that big of a deal because they were 
you know, they did go a little bit past the, the edge of the wheel anyway. So it'll be more flush and I'll get a little less sidewall, which I wanted get a little bit more of a, of a stance look, but right. Yeah. That's where, that's where that truck's at. That whole fuel situation. I'd love to hear somebody explain to me, you know, obviously putting stable in or, or some sort of fuel stabilizer, um, helps. I, I've only ever just used it for say like a year, a year and change, but I'm, I'd be curious to know like how long that shit actually lasts because well, that vert, I mean, it was, uh, the whole reason that fuel tank was fucked is first, I guess, I don't know. I'm guessing, but it was because it was stored without fuel in it. And, uh, you just get that humidity build up and it wreaks havoc on stuff. Yeah. And like, you know, the 86, the four, I, you know, that car hadn't run in over a decade. The tank was full and yeah, the, the fuel was like piss yellow and we tried to get as much of it out as we could and then, you know, topped it off. Um, but yeah, it's amazing. Like cars will run on bad gas, like not to say that you should do it, but you know, as long as you're, I guess there's nothing in the tank that you're potentially picking up, like the filters do their jobs. Right. So, um, you know, that would be the first thing you'd want to do after you run that first tank of shit out is, you know, then change the filter and, you know, or whether you change the filter first, run it all out and change the filter again. That's another way that you could go about doing it. Um, but yeah, I don't know the, the whole stabilizer thing and everything else and then fuels from different areas. You know, I think even fuel in the U S versus fuel that's in Canada, whether it's got ethanol, whether it doesn't, whether, you know, I've talked about it in some of uh, my videos actually with the SRT 10, the research octane number versus the motor octane number, whatever it is, Ron versus Mon. Um, the fuel over there is colored, which what does that, does that even mean anything? Is it just colored because they, you want to physically see something sort of like they put a smell in the propane because propane doesn't actually have a smell. Right. That's my understanding. Right. Um, so yeah, because that man, it, it smelled so bad. Like, and I had put a full tank of fresh fuel in it before that truck left. And I did pour some fuel in here, which, you know, call it what, two years old. Um, and I hadn't smelt gas that smelt that bad in some of my foxes that had been parked for three or four years. So awesome. I just kind of felt like it was odd. Mm. But well, the heat did it, like hands down, like that plastic yeah. in the tank and everything else just got so brittle. And, you know, that's in a parking garage, but the parking garage is maintained. I think it was at 90, maybe about like 93. 95 degrees really they wouldn't put any air conditioning in there well they threw they they would draw air right so there was like a fan system that would draw air but you know keeping it at 95 degrees when it's 120 outside yeah you know consistently and at night it that's the biggest thing like it gets hot here in north america but generally speaking at nighttime things cool down things don't cool down over there like the sun might be missing but the temperature is still the temperature so <laughs> it, um, yeah, it stays hot. Crazy. See, I've always wondered about this with, um, oil as well. So oil apparently has a shelf life and it obviously has a, a used life in an engine. 
Um, but you think like, you know, when you go and buy oil off the shelf at your local parts store and you blow the dust off the top end of it, like, well, is this shit just sat here for six months? Like, is it out of date? You know, um, I've always been curious about that. Cause yeah. Um, well, maybe as long as it's sealed, you know, maybe that has an oil. Like maybe it's right. Yeah. Once you pop the cap off and it can breathe, uh, maybe that has something to do with it. I'm sure there's going to be, I hate to even bring up the whole oil topic. Um, right. <laughs> it reminds me of the old corral or SVT performance threads. And man, I remember even again, going back to, um, when I was in the middle East and, you know, it was what oil should I run in the truck? Because yeah, it was boosted and in 120 degree weather. So the zero, actually they changed over after the first year, apparently there was a, this whole controversy on the truck. So the O fours ran like zero 40 or whatever it was. And then they changed it to something the next year, but they didn't officially change it. And it's, you know how those threads go. So long story short, you know, it was, yeah, no, run the thicker oil because it's hotter and you got nothing to worry about. You know, if it happens to be cold, then yeah, just let things warm up um, before you, uh, you start pounding on them. But yeah, the whole oil thing, man. And, and with Fox bodies, it's funny, right? Cause I think you could probably throw just about anything in there. Yeah. And, and, and it's hard to kill those motors. Like you gotta be, you gotta be wanting it to kill it. Like from an oil perspective, like you can blow them up in many different ways, but oil is typically not the, I guess the culprit. And we've all been there, right? Like we've found a car that's been parked for however long. And, you know, you're, especially when you're young, you're like, oh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to invest in, you know, five quarts of fresh oil. And I don't even know if this fucking thing's going to run. I'm just going to fucking spray some brake clean down the throttle body and hope she fires, you know, and like that's, that's just the way that it is. If everything is good, then yeah, sure. You know, um, then I'll invest the money. So it's, uh, and then there's so many like that, like shit, man, I didn't change the oil on that T-top motor that I got going, you know, I did in the 86 and then the four I did, I changed everything before we turned that thing over. Um, I am a believer in at least priming the pump first, you know, as long as you're getting yeah. something splashed around and it fires and you know, you're okay. Yeah. No, it's so true. The, uh, I had a guy comment on my video I did on getting rid of the smog pump and stuff off the vert. Cause I had a point in there where I talked about how I hadn't, I pulled the air box and everything off. I'm like, Holy fuck. It's still got the silencer, right? Like. I, I remember pulling one of these off in the nineties, but I said, I haven't seen one in a long time. And anyway, it was the way that the guy said the comment, it, it was almost at first when I responded, it was almost out of context. Like, cause he said something about, Oh my God, I can't believe you left that in there. You left at least five horsepower on the table or something. And, uh, I'm like, Oh, you know, laugh out loud. Um, yeah, you know, maybe I should have put some belt dressing on it and freed up a couple more ponies too, or something, you know, like, and then he comes back. He's like, no, like I'm serious. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> like, fuck, <laughs> I, okay. Like, yeah. Hmm. So the funniest shit and they're, they're these old, like, 
they're beyond wives tales some of these fucking things right like oh my god well it's the whole you know ac uses more fuel and all of uh those lovely things which yeah don't, i get it you're spinning something else um does it have an effect ultimately sure but your ac on versus your ac off and like you're talking such and I guess, yeah, if you're a racer, you want every single last possible hundredth of a second that you could potentially gain, right? Yeah. But I mean, like, I know, whatever, fuck, but like five horsepower. Like, you can do three or four back-to-back dyno runs, and your dyno is going to vary by 10 to 15. Like, you know, fuck, I mean, maybe you got... I don't know, a little breath of hot air blowing through the shop when you did your second run. Like, there's just, you can't feel five horsepower in your ass. I don't give a shit who you are. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there is a number. Isn't it something like it needs to be 15 in order for you to feel it? Yeah. Like, there was something because I remember reading an old 50 Mustang magazine article and it was, um, they, they actually had printed it before because they were, you know, all those guys out there, they're thinking, you know, they're going to add all this power, but you can't, you can't feel it by, like you said, removing your air silencer. Yeah. Air silencer, K&N, underdrive pulleys. You're going to be blowing your hair back real fast. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, before I forget, we need to talk about something on bring a trailer. Uh Oh, um, have you seen the 93 Celine SC convertible that's posted? Okay, I haven't, but I've seen Donkey Fix It's post about it. Yeah, how he was like saying how us influencers don't know anything, but it's because Celine community won't let us know anything. <laughs> and I was like, that's a little aggressive. Come on. He likes to throw those little jabs here and there, um, which which rightfully so. I get it. You know, when we're, when we're all able to afford 100 plus thousand dollar Cobras and we're in that, you know, upper echelon of things. And yet um, we would probably know all these statistics as well. Yeah. No, I, I've told you before, I haven't met him, but I'd like to, and I, I get the sense he's probably got a pretty good sense of humor, right? He's the type to walk by a Honda civic crowd and go, you know, VTEC suck. And then just yeah. laugh like hell. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the car is an original one owner car from my understanding and donkey fix. It was pretty good at pretty much stating that there's only like two or three of these cars that were done. And of course it's the last year and it's a triple black vert. But I think the important thing here is that it is a vert and there's four days left at this auction. I'm trying to see if it says how many miles are on it really doesn't matter. What matters right now is that, I can say, according to this, that bidding is over 200,000 US. Get fucked. Seriously? Yeah, it's at 203, and there's four days left on the auction. Holy Christ. Like, just unbelievable. And the best part is, like, I bought it because it's got the Recaros, it's got mesh headrests. Like, it's, um, it actually has a blower on it because the, I believe these SCs had, the Vortec blowers. It has that big oversized Celine intake manifold. And, um, you know, it's all actually, there's a picture 
there's actually a picture of it at Celine getting built, which is pretty cool. Wow. Well, that's super cool. So the, um, it was sent to Metro Ford of Miami, uh, where it was sold for $48,585. In 93? In 93. Holy shit, eh? Oh, it says the last odometer reading to uh, via Carfax was 9,900. So it's like, what, probably a 10K mile car. Wow. Was that, like, was, I, I actually don't even really have a gauge for what these cars sold for new. Like, was that, I guess you're going to pay more because it's a vert and whatever, but were they in the 40s? Like, was it, you know, GT 45 grand? Um, I don't, well, 93 could have been a little bit different, right? Like, I'm trying to even remember what a 93 Cobra sticker price was. But to like my understanding, ones. yeah, like they were trying to get rid of those, right? Because they were trying to bring in the, well, the SM95 was on its way. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to know that if a, a normal Fox ever was more than 30 or not. Yeah. Like, like you'd almost have to think so. Like a convertible would be your, your most expensive one, right? So it'd have to be like a 93 vert. If you just like even took this, for example. So if you just had a triple black 93 GT convertible fully loaded, what was that versus this one from Celine? So I can't remember exactly, but um, I know there was a site I was on um it kind of breaks down like how many of these were built and this color and all this bullshit and uh i looked up like that convertible i've got and i want to say that it was like msrp'd it uh i think like 21 grand hmm. 20-ish grand yeah well there you go so this was like double but I guess rightfully so. Like you are, you are talking about a supercharged car, right? So full yeah. supercharger kit, whatever else that they did, you know, with the intakes, um, they actually used a Tremec five-speed traction lock differential. So, you know, you got gears, you got all that stuff. Um, you know, you weren't, could you build that car back then for that? And it'd be a brand new car. I think you'd be hard pressed. You think, hey, like, because what? Because take the, right, like, let's say that that, that one, you know, you're, um, let's say it's 21. Well, that's the other thing, too, right? Because technically this would have been an LX vert, um, right. is how it would have started its life. But you'd have a full body kit, then you'd have 17 inch wheels, which back in modular wheels, which in 93 uh, would have been big money. Yeah. Um, you know, you got the blower kit, which blowers were, they were reasonably cheap back then, really, but yeah, a couple um, grand. still, yeah, still um, worth quite a bit. Then stuff like the Recaros. Recaros have never been cheap at any given time of their existence, right? So there's another couple grand. Five things bolt like kit. The, yeah, your five bolt kit, your brakes, your suspension, um, 
most likely upgraded radiator. There's caster camber plates on there. Um, you know, you'd um, just yeah, interior. Like, dress. just imagine, right? Like, just say you paid twenty grand. You paid twenty grand for your LX work, fully loaded, triple black, and you took it to a shop to all get modified. Like, man, I think you'd be thirty-five to forty. Plus, then you got to pay all your taxes and all that stuff. So. In reality, you're doing pretty good because that car would have had warranty as well, right? Right. So they, that's your... Did they do anything to the bottom end of them? Or do they stock bottom end? Let us see here. Oh, it says yeah. it has 11,000 11, miles on Okay. That and I'm curious um, what type of heads they used. You know what's funny is that for a bring a trailer auction i feel like this one has one of the like it has information but it's not as detailed as a lot of the other ones like they used to give if you there was another yeah like if there was another fox with just eleven thousand miles on it like i feel like the story would be like a novel in terms of like the ownership and this and that this is just sort of like boom 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 straight to uh straight to the point but it says it's obviously not hurting the bidding jesus christ well i think it's just sort of like if you know you know and i think that that's donkey fix it's sort of approach and because i think because this is so um vague to a certain degree you know because it's not really going into production numbers or anything like that um i think that that's why um you know, he was pretty much saying like, you need to know that this is, you know, build number three. And I think it's one of three, if I remember what he said, but it's actually got a light bar as well. Um, Why was there only three, do you know, in 93? I don't like in terms of convertibles, um, it, it probably just because it was the last year. And Celine went through a, uh, a little bit of a rough patch, if I remember correctly as well right yeah so i don't know if that would have been around that same time or not but it actually has it says the lawyer lower spoiler is said to have been refinished so they probably ran into something the hood was reportedly replaced under warranty in 96 the removed hood is included in the sale which is kind of cool because it has like those louvers in it right the um, factor louvers yeah yeah, Alicon four piston calipers, slotted two piece rotors. It has quad shock suspension, progressive rate springs, polyurethane bushings, race crest, subframe connectors, strut tower, and chassis braces. The original race craft dampers have been replaced with Coney components. Ooh. Um, Celine by Recaro Embroidery, Alpine CD Stereo, Celine Plaque. Air conditioning was charged in 2021. Little bit of wear on the driver's seat bolster and door panel side pockets. They should do my fix on that pockets. <laughs> um, 200 mile per hour speedometer. It says that the five liter was modified by Celine with the Vortec gear charger, supercharger, tubular headers, and dual exhaust system. 
Steve Celine's autograph is visible on the rad support. Oil change was done in 2021. And, you know, it's got a Tremec. And it has the car's original purchase paperwork, literature, and paraphernalia, related magazine service records, and a Windows sticker. And that's it. Mm. And a shit ton of pictures. The guy selling it is the one and only owner. It actually doesn't say that. I thought I had heard that, but I could be wrong. Huh. Yeah, maybe it's gone through a couple hands here. You never know. Like, it's a really nice car. Don't get me wrong. But so what would you do $200,000. What would I do with it? Okay, let no, wait a minute. Because $200,000 for a Fox body is so far out of our fucking dimension. It's not even funny. So let's just say... I mean, your Dutch coupe's pretty close to this, but I was actually having this conversation with a guy the other day. Like, you know, if you got a low mile bone stock, like essentially like this Celine, but, you know, just an original Ford car, what do you do with it? Me, I sell it. Like, I have no business owning something that's so rare and so untouched that you know what i mean for for it to just sit there and like it makes no sense like why would i hop in this car and start driving it when i could build like 10 of those cars and you know what i mean not risk depreciation or, or anything else like i just there's people out there that would love to just put this in a bubble. Like, yeah. I don't know, unless it's like whistling diesel and he buys it and just fucking wrecks it for YouTube content. But true too. Like, like I agree a hundred percent. I, I don't really have any interest in finding one of like, don't get me wrong. Okay. If grandma next door moves on and, and the, a state wants to get rid of her all original you know what i mean like one of those stories okay i'm in especially if it's a good price but i'm not gonna go looking for this shit i really not like i like the fact that i just tore the transmission out of this car you know what i mean like the 91 vert i i like that it's got shit wrong with it because that gives me something to do yeah you know what's funny is I'm looking at these pictures and it's got the Celine cluster in it. And there's Celine on the tack, like underneath, like in the center, underneath where it says RPM times a thousand. And then there's Celine that's underneath the odometer. And the fonts are, are different. Really? And I bet you that that's normal. And probably nine out of 10 people wouldn't notice or care to notice but the like the a looks like don't get me wrong it's the celine logo but the one on the odometer is a skinnier version of the font where it's more bold looking on the tack so i'm wondering if it was just kind of different um different printing or maybe a carryover from previous years or something like that Maybe it's like the 92 Crobavert. Yeah. 
Could be. <laughs> you never know, right? Oh man. But this is the funny thing about this sort of deal is like, um, I'm sure it's justified and, and there was a reason for it, right? Like, you know, at some point in the production process, they changed whoever was doing the speedo versus the tack and the, you know, the font was a little off. I'm sure there's a story, but. Well, even in my last video, um, well, my last video working on the Calais Coupe, I, I pulled apart the cluster. And, you know, there's a lot of variations in the 5.0 clusters, um, aside from the speedometers, obviously, you know, the 85 versus the 140. And in Canada, I know we actually had a couple goes at it because I think there was like, what, 140, and then there was a 180, there was a 200, and there was a 220. Yeah. Um, so there was like all kinds of, of variations, you know, north of the border for us. But then, you know, there's the, the version that's for the 87 through 89 clusters. And then there's the 90 through 93s. But uh, when I took apart the, the one for the Cali car, it was um, one difference that I'd never noticed was the battery voltage gauge had the letters normal in the range for charging where the other cluster which was a pre-90 cluster didn't have the the normal writing you just mm -hmm. had like the red tick on the top and lower ends of the spectrum and, and your white ticks in between and you know both of them had their ford part numbers and the little kent logos who i presume is the the company that was manufacturing them at the time so there, there's probably more little things that we would never pick up on or like even us that are kind of immersed with these cars you know would find out as time goes on the other thing in the video that i noticed is you know the stupid little oh man and it's so rinky dink that the little trim plate that separates the gauges in the cluster mm -hmm. um it's like a little metal thing sometimes people like they paint them um yep. and it goes in between so the one that I have that came out of the 89 parts car that I know that that cluster had never been a part, there's actually a, like a beveled um, edge uh, in that plate. So it's not just flat, it's like flat with a little beveled edge. And I'd never seen that before. Hmm. So uh, maybe it's an 89 thing only, or maybe it's something like 140 mile an hour speedos only got that. God, who knows, right? Like suppliers change, things happen. You know, it's even like right now with chip shortages, you know, if they were getting chips from one place, they're probably like, oh, fuck, well, if you can deliver it, we'll take the chips from you. And you know what I mean? The, the consumer is never going to notice the difference because they're not going to, well, you can't see a chip, but even in, you know, this instance, unless you had multiple Fox bodies, you're not going to start looking and seeing, oh, there's a bevel edge on that, you know, gauge separator. <laughs> It's so true. I know the uh, 220 speedo kilometer per hour speedos that we got up here. Uh, anytime I ever post a picture and you can kind of, or a video and you can catch a glimpse of the speedo, I get all kinds of folks from the States reaching out, where did you get that, you know, speedometer? I've never seen one like that before. I'm like, oh, you gotta come up to the great white North. We, we measure things differently up here. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's the one thing that was always annoying with the Canadian speedos, I guess, right? Is because in we always show both sides, you know, and this is generalizing across, you know, all vehicle manufacturers, you know, so we always show kilometers an hour and miles an hour will be underneath in a smaller font or a different color. But down in the US, there's so many manufacturers that it's only miles per hour, which makes the clusters look so much more like clean, yeah. right? It's almost like um, even with the laptops, I would never buy or a keyboard, never in my existence of having a computer would I ever buy a keyboard or laptop from Canada because it's bilingual. So it, it, it just makes everything look dirty. So I'd always buy US spec, you know, only American English keyboard um, design. Because the one thing that always got me is how they sh the shift key, they cut it in half on the left side for um, some weird character. Actually, you probably have a Canadian keyboard in front of you right now. What's what's the left oh. side shift? No, my, in half? both mine are the same size, but I don't know, maybe it's an Apple laptop. So maybe Apple does something different. Oh, Apple probably doesn't care. Yeah, PC. I, I've never been an Apple guy. I didn't, I didn't realize you were one of those. I know. I got sucked into the whole Apple fucking rabbit hole. <laughs> they get you good, though. Like, once they got you on one device, it's like, shit, may as well get you on all of them because now they all talk to each other. And yeah, so on. Well, I'm, not, I'm not one to talk, man. I'm, you know, I, all my electronics, if I can buy something Sony, I buy something Sony. And I probably shouldn't be that way, but I am brand loyal to that extent so i get it and you want all that proprietary shit to work because it's sort of like you know and it, sony is pretty good at it especially like with the audio and media stuff with the car head units and their nfc i think they were one of the first to bring out the nfc and the proximity sensor stuff um it uh it all works super cool um yeah. you know the screen mirroring and, and all that shit but now google does all that shit yeah, I know they get you. Um, <laughs> so a funny gauge cluster uh, comment. Now, on my truck, the center between your tack and speedometer, they kind of got the digital thing now, right? And uh, in this truck, even actually the sweep of the gauges is all digital and everything too, but it's got your uh, fuel voltage, um, so on and so forth. Anyway, in the settings, you can swap from metric versus imperial. When you have it in, and it's kind of neat. I mean, you don't have that big muddied up dual speeded fucking uh, speedometer, right? It, it, it actually just moves itself down to mm -hmm. miles per hour or vice versa kilometers. The weird one though, is my fuel gauge changes what empty mid and full is so in the canadian version you get f and you just get a little tick for half tank and e for empty you go to imperial and it shows a picture of like a 98 percent full fuel tank and now at the bottom it shows a picture of like an empty fuel tank really yeah, I'm like, what the fuck is that all about? Like, nobody hmm. knows what F and E means. Like, yeah, that's pretty crazy. 
I know. I was like, I just, I forget why I was dicking around with it one day, but, uh, and yeah, I just, it caught my eye that the fuel gauge. You know, it's, I almost want to say it's a programming oversight. You know, I feel like maybe they had it designed one way for either another vehicle or it was done in prototype or it was done whatever. And when they cut over for production, they, somebody didn't even notice or, or care. Okay. I think there's probably so many of those instances. And speaking of that, I think it's so interesting that the amount of technology now, when we're talking about importing and exporting vehicles, because you know before it was always like, oh, okay, yeah, if you're bringing something into Canada, you got to be able to show kilometers an hour. And, you know, in some cases, people had to swap in clusters. Daytime running lights. Daytime running lights. Um, if you're getting an overseas vehicle, which has always been the hardest thing, right? Like, oh, bringing something Euro-spec, you know, you're going to have to go to an authorized facility and make sure that all the emission compliance is in check. And you know, everything else, like even the radio frequencies, you know, we use um, odd numbered channels, you know, like 103.135, whatever. Yeah. Over there, they all land on even. So oh, really? 101.0.2.4.6. So you can always tune. So my M5 is actually like that. So you can, you can still get the station. It might like have a little bit of distortion here or there. Oh. But um, the emissions one is always the big one, right? Because the EPA is always like, yeah, no, that shit was designed for over there. But what we learned from the Volkswagen scandal, um, like, man, everything comes down to tuning. You know what I mean? It's like, and, and what you just put into the tune of the ECU. So now all of a sudden, your Euro-spec vehicle, well, how fucking different is it? There might be um no amber reflectors because i think that's the you need to have amber on the front bumper versus over there you can have clear that was always the big thing right that's where the the clear corners came from was a euro design because they don't require amber right um so aside from that you can change when that airbag is going to go off because that's the other rating right i think it's like a airbag engages a call it 10 miles an hour in one country and the other country says, yeah, don't engage the airbag unless it's 15 miles an hour where that'd be the scent, what's programmed in the sensor. And you'd have to get those swapped over as well, but now it's all in the, the computer. So you can program when that airbag's going to go off. You can program how that car is going to run and how many, uh, how much disaster it's going to cause to the ozone. Yeah. You can fix the speedo, you can fix the radio, you can do literally everything. And I'm almost surprised that now with led lights, um, technically you could have an Amber come out of a clear bulb, but, uh, the reflector all, I guess you just got to put an Amber reflective sticker on the corner of your car and you'd be fucking good to go. Yeah. Um, but of course I'm sure it's not that easy. I would love to know if somebody wanted to like bring a brand new Mercedes or BMW over from Europe, the challenges they would face trying to do it. Right. Yeah. I know there's, I should look this up before I get on my soapbox here and start talking about it, but I think there's something in Canada with the DOT spec of a vehicle where you can't have, you can, 
everything front of the doors is orange. Everything behind the doors is red, mm. which interesting when you apply to Fox bodies and that you do like a set of Cobra rear taillights and you've got orange signal lights in the back, right? Versus a flashing red. Um, and there's all yeah, these I think, ones. Yeah, it's, it's the, I think, like you said, it was, it's all about reflective because even think of a bicycle. The front wheel always has an orange reflector in it. The rear wheel always has a red reflector in it. Right. Which that's, I've never even thought about that until now. So clearly it, you know, kind of adopted the same rules, which something, <laughs> this is completely off topic now, but hey, why not? We're right? good for that. Um, <laughs> do you remember when you were young? And, you know, you're in school and you got Homer and the safety elephant or whoever the fuck he is as a mascot to, like, teach you, I guess, how to grow up and be safe. Yeah. Um, and they used to say, bike with traffic. And at some point they changed it and said, bike against traffic. So that way, on the other side of the road, so you can see what the fuck's coming at you. Yeah. Which kind of made sense. But then they swapped it and they put it, you know, back with, no, you need to go with the traffic right. i swear that happened um and I, i'm curious you know it's sort of like the whole like eating eggs are good for you then they're bad for you now yeah. they're good for you again it's like man i've got my thoughts on pedal bikers i uh i don't know whatever i, I might offend a few people here but i'm like how they I, own the road well but if you're but if you're on a bike you don't mind it see my thing with it is i if and when, if I'm out in the kit with the kids on bikes, we stay the fuck out of the traffic's way. It like at all costs, right? Because the way I've always looked at it, it's kind of like picking a fight with a great big fucker at the bar. Don't do it. You're going to hurt. You're going to end up in the shitty end of that stick, you know? Same goes for vehicles. They're a lot fucking heavier than I am. I'm staying out of their way. Anyway, my whole theory is... If you're going to ride your pedal bike on the road, I'm okay with that. However, do the fucking speed limit, stop at the stop sign, like follow the traffic rules. Okay. Like don't be any inconvenience to anyone else. The guys that drive me fucking nuts are the ones that, like you said, think they own the road and they, whatever, go down the road at half the speed limit. It's like, get on the fucking Wait, sidewalk. There's you know no what, anyone walking, move over. Yeah, it, it's not the people generally, you know, the people that do it because they, they're legit fit, like the Lance Armstrongs and all those people like, fuck, sometimes they're going faster. Um, it's the, what gets me are the meth heads that are on the e-bikes or you know what I mean? Like Little scooters and shit. It, it almost doesn't matter what they're riding because if they're not on a bike, then they're just going to be an asshole pedestrian. Or there might be that asshole that's panhandling with a, sometimes they have creative signs. I got to give them credit. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah. if it's not one thing, then it's going to be another. But here's a question for you. Yeah. Uh, are you a motorcycle rider? Not like on the regular. Um, I actually, I never owned one. My big like bite into that was um, back in the day uh, when I would have like had the Fox as a daily driver. I had buddies that took off and got jobs on the oil rigs and they all came up with crotch rockets. So 
they'd always want to drive the Fox. I'm like, fuck it. I'll take your 1000 for a spin, you know? Yeah. So um, that's my taste to it. Got you. Yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, my question is going to be on your thoughts on being able to split traffic because See, it's, I don't know what it's like in Vancouver. I think the, I think all of Canada is you have to operate as a motor vehicle. And the most part of the, I think California is the only state where you're allowed to split. And I'm not sure if it was legal in Dubai to split or not, but everyone just split because there's so many delivery bikes. Like everything is delivered on a bike. You know, every intersection, they'd all be weaving through traffic and everything else. Um, I'm actually a pro splitting traffic guy, not to ride like a fucking dumbass and try and kill somebody, but it's a control thing because um, you're more aware of what's going on and, and you're less likely to get rear-ended and, and so on and so forth. At okay. least that, that was my view. So that's why I wanted to see, because if you ride a bike, then you would, you would have an opinion on, right. on what you think is you know, safer. Well, and see, for me, I think it boils down to the same comments I was making earlier about you know, a pedal bike slash a human's body weight is that much lighter and going to be on the worse end of the stick if they do get in an accident i think i'd look at it in the same fashion like if i was out on a bike i wouldn't split traffic just because i value life a little bit more than that and i'm like fuck it i'm just gonna hang out right here because my luck some bitch is gonna open her door and i'm gonna go through the fucking window you know or something to that effect so i just I actually, I love the way, and I think this is official rules. I love the way that the UK operates when it comes to this kind of thing. And it's just that bare bones, logical thinking where like cars are bigger, heavier, take more time to stop. You're more aware of what's going on around you. So you get out of their way versus fucking Canada. I mean, I don't, I like living in a small town and stopping and letting people cross whatever. It's the people that you can just see it in their fucking eyes they're like fuck you you need to stop and i know you do so i'm gonna step out in front of you that drives me fucking bonkers yeah no i get that and i think that that's where maybe i'm wrong with saying this but i feel like i'm right in saying it that if a bicycle has the right of way or pedestrian you know what i mean uh, despite all of those things and maybe rightfully so they see it that if you have the right of way i guess you get to make the decision because you are more aware now not to take it the way that you're saying it where that person knows that they can be a dick about it and i guess plays off that to be a dick yeah. you got to kind of take that outside of it but it is giving the power to the cyclist which they don't do that for motorcycles Right. Motorcycles are treated like a car. And that's where I think um, a lot of potential accidents happen. And, and you know, if I'm on a bike and I'm coming in inter into an intersection or whatever, and I know someone's not going to see me, you got to be able to split or you got to be able to maneuver. You got to be able to whatever. And I think same thing through traffic. Yeah. Like what the fuck does it matter if you weave through a few cars and you get up to the stop of the, or to the front of a stoplight instead of some asshole uh, maybe not seeing you. Or once you're stopped on a bike, it's not as easy to 
know where your surroundings are actively because well your head's in a fucking helmet and yeah, yeah you can check some mirrors and stuff but that was actually the business case that they made in california saying that if you could split traffic you're always moving so you're more aware you're more in control you're less likely to have an incident with something again doing it safely yeah and doing it for the intents that it's designed for so i i feel like the Canada rule with the bicycles versus the motorcycles is almost hypocritical of the situation because who the fuck cares? One has one's motorized and, and one isn't, but you're yeah. saying that these assholes can do whatever they want, but because I'm on a bike or a motorized bike, um, things are different. I don't know. Yeah. It's, what a fucking segue of a rant. <laughs> I know it, uh, it's especially these days up here when you get into the to the bigger centers everything is bike like pedal bike lanes and stuff and they clearly stayed all over the place pedal bikes have the right of way and i'm like okay but like i got blind spots and a guy with a fucking you know plastic plate on his head doesn't so i i just like to hope that people use their heads logically and just apply some logic because you know i'm in a big fucking truck or a car or whatever i might not see you so like just be aware of that you know so what do you have to say about people that drive slow in the fast lane oh fuck don't even get me started on that because now it's not we're not talking about asshole cyclists now we're just talking about asshole individuals that apparently have a license to drive and they just do whatever the fuck they want they probably feel safe and secure over there and do fucking 10 under the speed limit it drives me bonkers again it just boils down to logic and or common sense to me like there's i I try to post this thing like once a year i save it in my archives but it shows a picture of like a three-lane freeway or something and it's like let's get this straight for the fucking last time left lane i'm late or whatever right i gotta fucking go middle lane sunday drive do your thing right hand lane roadhead lane right fucking enough that like you know <laughs> stay out of the left hand lane now i got a bit of a story about that so uh my roadhead <laughs> yeah <laughs> that hasn't happened in a lot of years so my brother-in-law was in uh, Germany on the Autobahn and uh, doing kind of the touristy thing, but like thought it was kind of cool, you know, driving at whatever speed he wanted to. And uh, he was in the left-hand lane, passing cars in the middle lane and thought, you know, he was doing whatever, like 100, 110 miles an hour. And uh, he goes out of the corner of my eye, catching the rearview mirror, a crotch rocket behind me and he goes like this guy was wasn't there and then just bang was on me right so anyway he gets the rental to the floor gets around these cars gets into the middle lane and this bike pulls up beside him at whatever fucking speed and he's like pointing at him like you got to get over quick buddy there's no fucking around here okay like you might have thought you were going quick in the left hand lane but i was going quicker and you got to have your head on a swivel and know what's going on now, if that same logic was applied everywhere else in the world, right? Even though there is speed limits and whatever, I get the law, but just have some common courtesy, you know? 
Fuck. Yeah. And it, it's in the driving exam. I remember that. Like left-hand lane, you don't dawdle. Like you get in. Yeah, it's almost like, yeah, you get in to do your business and then you get the fuck out. Yeah. When you're done. The problem yeah, is there's so many. Quicker than you in the left lane, you get the fuck out and then you can go back in the left lane again. Yeah. It's all those people that are passing at like one mile an hour faster than the guy in the lane next to him. And then there's maybe someone in front. So then they end up, you know, taking 10 minutes just to pass three cars. Yeah. Or, okay, here's another one. It builds off the left-hand lane deal, but following some asshole through whatever kind of hilly country you're driving through, and then you get to like a passing lane so you're on a single track highway and they speed up. Oh fuck, dude. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Right. Like, yeah. how do you feel like you should just all of a sudden go quicker now that there's two lanes? What are you doing? Well, you pass them anyways. Is oh, for sure. The moral of the story. The nice thing here down in Texas is that if you're on a back road, man, and somebody comes up behind you, they move over. It, it's, fucking amazing now you have to be on an old country road to do it you go down the interstate people are just as fucking clueless as anywhere else and you're you're almost better off uh riding in the right lane a lot of times yeah you know because it's just the people's reactions especially in slowdowns the fast lane always sucks it's always the the first one that everyone's hitting their fucking brakes fast because they're a bunch of dumbasses and that's why I always just kind of like pick a transport, like middle or right lane and just fucking like set the cruise, cruise and yeah, keep a good distance. Cause then that's the other thing. If you try and keep a good distance when traffic is slowed down and bumper to bumper, especially if you're trying to shift fucking gears with a center force, you know, you don't want to be going and putting your clutch in all the time. So you just try and coast in second as much as you can. But if you leave a gap, then some asshole pulls out, you know, jumps in in front of you. And then all of a sudden you're on the brakes yeah oh man okay so here's a good country road one for you this is really splitting the hair but uh you probably noticed this around your part so if you're on a single track side road or secondary highway and somebody wants to pull off that road whether it be to the right or to the left so let's say the speed limit's 50 and they want to more or less come to a rolling 10 mile an hour pull in They'll pull the proper people that are wired correctly and not fucking idiots. They'll pull to the right and allow you to go around them. Or if they're doing a left-hander and no one's coming, they'll get in the left lane and let you go by. These are the people that should be breeding, not these other fucking morons that will bring traffic to a dead halt just so they can turn off the secondary highway. Well, you know, it's, I think there's, that huge misconception of the colors of the lines. And I'm pretty sure it's standard everywhere in North America where yellow is actually only a recommendation. White is the law. So when you're cruising down that road in the country or wherever, and even if it's a double yellow, you can fucking cross it and you're not going to get a ticket for it. If you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, like, do you need a passing lane with the with the dotted lines in yellow to tell you that it, that you're allowed to pass? Well, no, you can pass on a double yellow. You can't like if you cause an accident, you might end up in, in trouble. But now, if there's a white line and you have a solid white line, that's why the the lines on 
the right are always white because all the bad shit usually happens over there. You're hitting the leads, yeah. Yeah, like stay in your fucking lane type deal, you know? But um, that's, uh, I think that people just kind of get nervous. I remember my driver's ed instructors back in the day, they were just like, yeah, yellow, yellow is a recommendation. And, and, you know, just to kind of give you some info, um, sort of like a a caution, uh, the speed limit signs during yellow. You don't have to fucking do that. That's telling you what you should do, but not necessarily what the law is. The white signs are the law. So anyways. Okay. I got one more little uh, tidbit for you here that I wanted to throw out. And uh, it's actually, it's, it's been on my brain for a little bit, but uh, just recently here, I had another experience with it and it freshened up my memory. I got to give a huge shout out to late model resto. So I actually just did a bit of a video on this. It's going to be coming out, but like I've had maybe three situations that were like just proper, honest mistakes, like whether something showed up damaged or you got the wrong thing or whatever the case may be. And this maybe be, um, resonates more for me being way up here in Canada because, well, you know, when you were up here, like it's a fucking disaster to get things up here. It's expensive. It takes forever. So on and so forth. Like I, I have, you, you, like, you reach out to customer service and you say, guys, here's what I'm experiencing. Yeah. Send me some pictures. Boom. You get a tracking number and they're firing you out something new. So the most recent one, I got a, one of their um, Econo shift, short throw shifters for the vert, something just shorten the shifter up and, and kind of firm it up a little bit, right? Nothing serious. I'm not banging gears down a quarter mile in that car. Anyway, uh, after getting it, the shaft that comes out of the shifter that actually speaks to the T5 has a little connecting, it's like a cast aluminum kind of L thing. And it goes to the top shaft that you screw your knob on to. Anyway, put it all together. And I didn't think much of it at the time, but it had a weird like right hand curve to it. Hmm. And it wasn't until like the first couple of times I drove the car. I'm like, Jesus Christ, like first gear feels like it's fifth. Like Like a tremec. Yeah, way the fuck over on the right. (laughs) So, um, which might might, might not have been a bad thing back in the guy's single days, right? First gear touch the knee fifth gear you're getting real busy right (laughs) anyways um so i made a video of it uh way back when like the end of last summer i got the little shifter uh kind of midsummer and then it wasn't until the other night i was watching a a video i think it was one of lmr's videos about this econo shifter thing don't ask me why i was watching it but anyway trying to fall asleep i guess and uh I'm like looking at the parts and like, fuck, that blue connecting cast aluminum piece looks straight in their video. Why the fuck did mine have a right hand curve to it? So all these months later, I reach out to customer service said, hey guys, I don't know, maybe I got a bad batch here or something, but my little blue piece is weird. This cast connecting piece. Lo and behold, right away, tracking number. I'm getting a new new part. So I get... uh, I'm at the shop and uh, I get a text from the wife. She says, Hey, 
what were you doing? I, we got a box from LMR at the door. I'm like, box? What are you talking about, right? Thinking maybe a, a one of those like uh, little snappy uh, air pocket envelopes at best. And uh, anyway, get home, crack it, whole new shifter. I'm like, guys, I, I just needed the blue piece, you know, like, but anyway, the moral of the story is like, I can't say enough good things about those guys because in today's day and age where like customer service is just non-existent, you know, like nobody gives a fuck anymore. These guys are hitting it out of the park. At least they, they have in my experience. I I've never, ever had a bad experience. Yeah, no, they've always been, um, and I, to be honest, I find the U S companies have more of that. In fact, uh, shop dad there was just commending LMC truck, uh, last week because he called in, he was going to do, um, an in-person pickup. So there was no way to order online, everything that you want and then say, yeah, I want to pick it up. So he called. They're in Texas and, too. uh, Kansas, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, um, so they're like, yeah, no, just email us everything that you want and, and we'll have it, let us know when you're coming through and we'll have it ready for you to pick up. And he's like, well, do I need to like give you my credit card or anything? I'm like, no, just send us the list. We'll have it ready. And sure enough, he rolled up, they went through, they cross-checked everything, helped him load it all in his truck. And man, he bought a lot of shit too. Like that thing was like, it was like fast and furious overnight parts from Japan in the back of the lightning. just stopped um and uh yeah he didn't um couldn't find a bad thing to say so you know kudos lmr and and any of those companies you know it's i think it's a struggle with the quality of some products it's just the way that it is um, unfortunately so the only way that you can really make up for it is yeah okay you know qa maybe we missed something or something was you know what i mean it's brittle or it's messed up yeah. And all they can do is make it right. So I actually, um, uh, that's good. That was one of my only other, I, I want to say I maybe got like, uh, like a wrong interior screw, screw kit or something we, like easily fucked up. Right. When you got a massive warehouse and whatever, but the other one was, uh, speaking of QA, I got the diamond clear headlight kit for the coupe and, hmm. um, soon as I opened the box and, and pulled the marker light out, the fucking cover fell off. Right. And I get that, like, whatever, that's just, sometimes that's products these days, you know, but again, send them a picture, bang, tracking yeah. number, like, holy, yeah, especially for me up here, like that, that's a hit for them to shit. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely, man. Um, the funny thing, with LMRs, I find I usually end up with more shit in my box than what I ordered. Like the last set of black belts that I got, um, there was actually like a uh, three-piece Torx fit kit. Like, and it wasn't even like the T50 um, that you need to take the belts out. Like it was a, like a 40 and a 35 and a like, the fuck are these like whatever i'll add them to my toolbox but um yeah and there, there was something else too i forget what i ordered and something else came in the box and it's like like do they think like these like are they throwaways that they have and they're just kind of tossing them in the boxes for for people to get and shit i don't know right. or did i end up with somebody else's stuff you know 
True enough. No, I mean, I, I've never, uh, I've never been down there and uh, like seen their warehouse. I can only imagine. I'm sure it's a monster and uh, a lot of people and moving parts. So I can see how things get jacked up, but fuck. And the fact that if you phone, you talk to a goddamn human, right? Yeah. How fucking nice is that? Oh, that's the best, man. Like, actually, I had an issue the other day. Actually, in the SRT 10, I was trying to get my fuel pressure gauge sorted out. And, man, I bought those gauges from Speed Hut 10, 9, 10 years ago and called me back right away, left me a voicemail like, hey, try this, try that. And, yeah, no, it, it's awesome when you get good customer support because oh. um, it's, uh, it's hard to find. These days, buddy, I mean, I think what made me think of this is like, again, the lack of logic in today's day and age and a lot of human beings from the left-hand lane bullshit to the whatever, turning off country roads. And then, yeah, the next whatever topic of conversation is usually the fact that there's no more customer service in this world or just nobody gives a shit anymore. You know what I mean? Like you were telling that story about helping that gal pull out of that parking lot a couple episodes ago like nobody does that stuff anymore you know and it's fucking shame it is man it's uh yeah it's a lost art uh we were actually we um was chatting with a guy from toronto last week and it was almost remember how when we were talking to man what whose conversation was that was that with Benny when you were talking about when you visited Toronto for a conference or something yeah. and you said like there was like the demeanor of people in Toronto just seemed like they were pissed off and angry at life? Yeah, Not yeah. in those totally. words, but that's that's pretty much what you were saying. Yeah. Um, he was, uh, we were going on about something. He bought something off of me and he was coming off kind of dickish uh, via message. I'm just like, dude, like, let's just talk on the phone not into the schoolgirl dm stuff and you know it came down to like oh man you know like i, I deal with i guess he works in the nightclub business or whatever it is he's like, i deal with all these asshole suppliers all the time and he's like you know i apologize if i kind of, kind of came across that way and i'm like well you know it's and it was like a personal transaction like it's not like he's buying something off my website or you know i have an obligation as a company to provide him with, you know, where the customer is always right. This was like a dude, I'm another guy. I'm helping you out. Like, you know, it's, I have my life as well. And, um, you know, he was going on about like, Oh man, I'm jealous that you're down in Texas and this and that. We actually had the same conversation. It's like, there's something wrong with Canadians in the GTA or in the larger cities. I'm like, I swear they are extra fucking assholes. And I'm like, like, I'm not calling you an asshole, but I'm just saying, like, there's, like, this expectation of, like, um, just now, instant, and it's a melting pot of all these cultures, and everyone just sort of behaves in this, it's not even a culture anymore. It's, like, a, everything is just kind of, like, monotone. It's, like, everyone is angry. Everyone's working too many hours. Cost of living is high. You know, everybody sucks. I just want a paycheck. I don't even know how to explain it. Oh, it's um, true. And you know, you're, you're dealing with people. It's the people that sell something out from under you have no idea what a handshake deal is. Word means fucking nothing because it's all oh, I come from here and this isn't the way we do it 
in my country and this isn't how we do it in my country or you know what I mean and it's just like and I told him like that's one of the bigger reasons why I enjoy being down here more I'm like there's some fucking good old-fashioned common courtesy and values that you know are again it, it seems like they're not as there as they used to be but they're hell of a lot fucking better than what i was used to in canada no offense to any canadians that are listening but i just there is something there's something wrong and i speak it because I, i've been there and i come from that and i wasn't asked like obviously i was younger as well but like i remember the way that i was and how uptight and how high strung and you know what i mean like going to the middle east taught me patience because what happened in toronto or gta is nothing compared to what that was immersed in when i was in the uae but at least in the uae it was like this is the way that we operate in this country if you're going to do xyz or whatever you're not really welcome whereas canada doesn't really you just kind of blend everything together and say yeah come yeah. Do, without getting into politics in the situation i'm sure everyone can read in between yeah, the lines uh, of the behaviors and everything else. But yeah, it's uh, customer service is just such like, like to talk to somebody or even see someone in person, you know, somebody like a stranger saying hello, yeah, or, you know, asking you how your day went or actually fucking caring, like um, you break down or something happens until nobody's fucking pull over or help you. It's like, fuck, you know, good luck. You're lucky if someone holds a door open for you these days in the larger cities, right? So it's true. Um, I think the I think it's the big city living that does it to to folks. Like not I'm generalizing, obviously, but you just I don't think as humans we're meant to live like that. We're not supposed to be stacked up on top of each other. We're you know, like we're we're supposed to live like a a more sedimentary life and and well, but we should be able to communicate even if we are on top of one another. It's like everyone's yeah. got hurt feelings and doesn't want to, oh, I'm going to send you a text. You know what I mean? It's like, you got a fucking problem. Just tell me what the problem, because the way you say it in a text message isn't going to be the way that you tell me to my face. True. Like, this is know, like I, keyboard warrior stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, you know, all these guys and marketplace and Facebook and everything else that have something to say, you know, I get it, but there's there's a threshold there's a limit you know totally it's common courtesy goes a long ways buddy um i always i don't know if there's any truth to this or not but i always think in the back of my head like when i get one of those automated systems push two for whatever and you're like you know they give you their their standard kind of menu of shit that okay if you push two you're you're in this category of, of problems i'm like I don't have any of those problems. Like I actually, I have a completely different problem and I just get madder and madder and madder. Anyway, if I'm on one of these runaways and I'm at the house and my wife's around, I just, I think to myself that they probably record what you're saying for like quality control type stuff, right? Like if someone's getting mad, they'll listen to it once a month or whatever. Right. At least that's what I tell myself. So as I'm, <laughs> pounding digits into my phone to try to get to something I'm, I'm usually just pushing zero like give me a fucking operator right and then when they i get like the recorded thing oh tell me what you want a fucking human give me a fucking human 
<laughs> like I'm sure I've been in board meetings with my recordings somewhere. Oh yeah, no. And I think, man, some of those I've had some of you hit zero and that shit will be like that's on an option that hangs up on you. <laughs> like honestly, the best in terms of the call manager, I think the best one that there's no reason because call managers are man, it's software. Like I think you can just run that off pretty much anything now. The callback system. Just the automated callback is great. Is this your phone number that you're calling from? Do you want to call back? Just state your name and fucking hit the number. And you know what? It you don't you shouldn't even have to necessarily go through like maybe one set of options would be okay, but it shouldn't go any further than that. Um it should just be somebody it's just like, give me a call back. And then that person, if they have to like funnel through it, or even if they need to do some research and call you back a second time, as long as I'm getting a fucking human, um, I would take that any day of the week. Oh. Uh, the only other thing that I've learned um, that works really well, because I worked in a call center way back. I think we talked about the, the shitty yeah. jobs and I had the nightmares. Um, so I quit. <laughs> um, is uh in canada hit two for french or it was probably goes the same way if you're in the states like hit you know, two for for spanish because the people that are doing french are bilingual by default they do the english and the french side so even though that they're going to greet you in french you can count on the fact they know how to fucking speak english Ooh. so there's a little fast forward trick and French always gets the priority. I didn't know that. Yeah. So if you're really pissed and like, you really need to get a hold of someone, just hit two off the bat. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm going to try that out. <laughs> I know I, uh, this story, whatever fucking stands out to me is when I was living in Calgary, um, I'm walking down the, what they call the plus 15, which is the opposite of what Toronto has, which is the underground. Mm. When I was there, it was funny. I called it the minus 15 because it's like 15 feet below ground. But anyway, this is the plus 15 because it's 15 feet above ground in the downtown core. And it kind of connects all the buildings. Anyway, I'm walking behind this guy and he's on the phone and I can see that he's frustrated with whoever he's talking to. And he's kind of, says says a little bit and then he gets cut off says a little bit gets cut off and then finally i hear him say if i gotta reset this thing one more fucking time i'm gonna come down and burn your building down right and so funny enough up here in canada we've got uh telus internet and shaw internet now i'm sure there's rogers and maybe a couple other little ones but anyway at the time i had telus internet and uh, I think you and I talked about this at one time, probably not on the pod, but anyway, whenever you called in and you had issues with your internet, they'd always tell you to just reset the modem. And so anyway, he, I walked up beside him. And I'm like, let me guess, tell us internet. He's like, don't even fucking start with me. Right. Like, yeah. They always tell you to reset the goddamn thing, <laughs> but that's right. Cause your point was resetting things actually does help the cause. Work. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, that, and it's just, you know, you don't always have that, uh, I guess the playbook. Well, the playbook is the first thing they say is just get you to, you know, reset. Cause that's the other thing too. Like all those people they're on, 
um, what is it? Uh, like quotas and thresholds, right? So it's like, how quick can you solve the problem and get the person off the phone? So it's just like, yeah, restart your computer. And especially back in the day, it's gonna take 10 minutes to boot up. So it's just like, you know what? Restarted, everything should be fine. If you got a problem, call us back. Right. And either it's gonna fix the problem, which in a lot of cases it, it does. Cause you gotta remember the person that's calling in for tech support, it's usually user error. That's the problem. And you gotta like rule that out. And that's yeah. kind of the quick, the quick and easy to do it. But yeah, if you can get the person off the phone, um, then sometimes too, the best part is if they call back, then they might get somebody else. And then that person's really gonna have to troubleshoot with them because they'll see in the notes, oh yeah, I got them to reboot. Meanwhile, my my quota looks good because it was just a quick little conversation. That guy has to spend, you know, an hour helping them recover their operating system or something. <laughs> I went actually, I went through this just recently with um, our fridge. And uh, it's funny, I think I, I put it on my Instagram that I had to figure out how to rebuild my dryer not too long ago. It's one of these fucking new like Samsung things or whatever, which is the same goddamn brand that my fridge is. I tried real hard when we were having the issue with it to find a phone number to call. The only thing I could find was one of these live chats, which almost drives me more crazy than automated systems. But anyway... I jump through the hoops. I do the live chat with this guy. And uh, the issue we were having is, well, we spent a fair amount of money on this goddamn fridge. Like, it has an ice maker in it. It should pump out ice when I want fucking ice. It don't. It's all frozen up. It's a cock block fucking stiff frozen block of ice. So anyway, I'm doing this online chat with the guy. And he goes, okay, um, why don't we just unplug the fridge? I'm like, dude, that's going to take hours to thaw this thing out. Like, what do I do with all the food in it? And he goes, well, don't you have any coolers? I'm like, I'm going to throw this fucking laptop across the room. Like, are you kidding me right now? You <laughs> want me to cooler up a fucking fridge worth of food? Holy shit. So, and then the guy, just to top things off, he has the balls to say to me, because I'm like, just send somebody out. Like, we spent a fair amount of money on this thing. Send somebody out. And it was only a few months old. Um, he goes, okay, we'll send somebody out. But if this doesn't fall under the warranty, you're going to have to pay for it. I'm like, you're sure lucky I'm talking to you on a keyboard right now, guy. If we were in person, I'd fucking wreck you. Like, oh my God. And the funniest part about all that is the service guy shows up to the house and he gets out of his van and he's got a box on his shoulder. I'm like, how the hell does he even know what's wrong with it? Like, surely he heard that we got no ice maker. He comes in. I'm like, what's in the box? He goes, oh, these things are all fucked. Right from brand new, they're fucked. So he goes, anytime I get one of these calls or whatever, I just bring a new ice machine. I'm like, <laughs> holy christ you wouldn't believe what i went through on the live chat jesus oh, wow. unreal and man yeah i know it's uh the live chat funny enough i had pretty good success with when uh, i was overseas i think because i don't know if it was just that's sort of the route they adapted and so many people were used to doing stuff through sms and through apps and i actually had some 
some pretty good success. But at the same time, yeah, like when you're actually GoDaddy, it'd be one that I absolutely hate. I actually switched the hosting um, on my website and everything away from them just because it seemed like you always got like the automated assistant and then you had to go through all the automated auto response bullshit. And then, yeah, finally get someone. And, well, I guess I sort of sound like they, they probably did what I was doing. You know, what's the quickest way to get this guy's potential problem solved? But right. I don't think I'd be saying put all your food in a cooler and, you know, de-ice the your refrigerator, especially when you spend so much freaking money on it. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, you know, I just, my bottom line is we're applying a lot of logic to this conversation today, but just, I don't mind paying for things. I really don't. Like if I'm going to pay whatever it is, hundred, 150 bucks a month for say high speed internet, I'm good with that. Just make sure it's always fucking high speed. Like give me what I'm paying for. Like that's a simple formula, I think, but. Well, unless they say up to a certain speed, right. Then they catch you. Yeah, that's true. The, the league <laughs> of it all. Right. Yeah. I've had those bozos. I've had like everyone, I'm sure if you always have internet issues, I'm like the guys I've had them say to me, like, well, why don't we get you on like the, the higher, higher speed one? I'm like, let's get the piece of shit one figured out first. And then we'll talk about the higher, higher speed one. Like, fuck you guys. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I think that's probably a good stopping point for our rants, right? Because I do actually want to talk to you about some other stuff that we're not going to share on the podcast yet. And I'm sure you have a lot of questions to ask me yeah. as well. So we'll just leave it there. <laughs> yeah, that's good, buddy. Okay, bud. Good pod. Yeah, man. For sure. Easy editing. Till next time. All right, buddy. Take Thanks care, for tuning man. in. <laughs>